All right, so biggest fears. What's your biggest fear? Uh, according to selfhelpprotective.com, okay, really scientific poll, uh, actually, it's just uh, based off of what people Google, okay, Google search results, and, and this list is actually very similar to other lists that are based on polls, but what are your biggest fears? Well, according to this list, number one, the fear of flying, flying. Anybody have fear of flying? All right, well, we certainly weren't made to fly, so there's that. Uh, all right, so that's a, that's a pretty big one. Uh, two, fear of public speaking. Anybody else? A couple of people, anybody have that? <laughs> yep, yeah. Uh, I have little freak out moments every, every week, so. Uh, all right, how about this? Uh, I really get this one, uh, fear of heights. Anybody have fear of heights? All right, yep, I can definitely resonate with that. All right, number four, fear of the dark. None of you going to raise your hand, are you? You're liars. Someone's, <laughs> it's number four. Someone's got it. So, all right, all right, number five, the fear of intimacy. <laughs> Into me, I see. It's a scary thing. All right, all right, number six, the fear of death. That's number six on our list. Number seven, the fear of failure. Fear of failure. So uh, I can understand that. Uh, some uh, Number eight, the fear of rejection. That's enough to make the top ten. All right, number nine, the fear of spiders. Yes, Lord. Help me. I will scream like a girl. <laughs> Take off all my clothes in a second. Gone. <laughs> you don't need to see that? Okay. <laughs> In our, yeah, I don't care where I am. So, <laughs> man, pastor in jail. For... <laughs> All right, uh, number 10, the fear of commitment. Commitment? Snakes? Snakes, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not on my list, but yep. So she is deathly afraid of snakes, so... so. All right, so uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Seinfeld says, uh, uh, in a, a recent survey stated that the average person's greatest fear is having to give a, a public speech, a speech in public. Somehow this ranked even higher than death. So you're telling me that at a funeral, most people would rather be the guy in the coffin than have to stand up and give a eulogy. So interesting observation there from a comedian. All right, so Ben Franklin says, in this world, nothing is certain but... Death and taxes. Um, Woody Allen says, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. So, so for some, all right, so today we're talking about this idea of death, but for some, like, death is the furthest thing from your mind. I get it. It's not even on your radar. Uh, it's not there. For others, it's closer to your mind. And that could be because maybe someone that you loved, you lost recently. It could be maybe because uh, you're older in age or because um, uh, some people, that's one of their, their fears, fears of the unknown. And, and so whether, whatever it is you today, uh, today we're, we're continuing our series um, about the beyond. And, and here's, here's why, because I believe uh, what we believe about the beyond will determine how we live today. All right? So what you believe about the beyond, what's, what's beyond all this stuff, skin and bones and life, uh, uh, will affect how you live your life. 
and we see that there's a, there's a lot of cultural beliefs, a lot of different religious beliefs, a few of them, uh, like so atheistic beliefs, you, know, you, you have no um, uh, belief in God or higher power. And so uh, for, for the atheist, death, that's all she wrote. Bam, book over, done. All right? Nothing else. There, there's no eternal significance at all, zero. This is all there is. Uh, for some, they have this, this concept or idea of purgatory, typically in the Catholic Church, you know, where, where uh, it's this waiting room of suffering, purging your sins uh, so you can move on to a better place. Uh, Islam teaches that uh, when you move on from this place that you'll go uh, to judgment and, and God will judge you if, if, uh, if you did good enough. You go to heaven if you did bad enough. You go you go to hell and um, and uh, some people think that when you die you become an angel and you get yourself uh, um, you, you match the pictures of old bald fat naked babies playing a harp on a cloud you know and and, and there's this picture of of you becoming an angel you know uh, some people believe uh, commonly you hear this is, is reincarnation like when I come back when I come back reincarnation is this idea when you when you die. That you are reincarnated, you come uh, back in the flesh as something else. Another, it could be a creature, another person, an animal. Uh, it could be anything. And so, if you if you live this life good, you'll come back as something better. If you live this life bad, you'll come back as something worse. worse. So there's all these all these various views, and everywhere in between that you can imagine, uh, everything and anything is on the table as far as what people are grasping uh, for something to hold on to when it comes to how we view, how we approach death, and how we live our life in light of our beliefs. So today as we continue our series, uh, we kick, uh, Beyond, we kicked this off last Sunday on Easter, and uh, uh, we talked about the idea of life. And, and uh, so the idea of Beyond is there's more to, the, to life than, than just this life. There's more to the story. There's more than our few short years on earth. There's more than a tombstone in my future and your future. So we spent a few weeks talking about life, death, and heaven and hell. Our, um, our uh, kind of key verse for the series, Ecclesiastes 3, 11, uh, says, He has also set eternity in the human hearts. So if, you're, if you follow uh, Christ Fellowship on Facebook, uh, Faye whipped up a nice um, lock screen, so you can download that and put it to your lock screen. I've been loving that. I've been meditating on that scripture all week, because every time I have, grab my phone, it's right there looking at me in the face. So, so take advantage of that, and we'll try to provide more opportunities for, for that stuff in the future. But he has set eternity in the human heart. So look, we know, human beings know deep down that there's something more, there's something beyond, there's something bigger, and we don't fully understand it. Nor will we ever understand it on this side of things. And to many, that has led to a lot of frustration. For some, it leads to dissatisfaction of not knowing. And, um, uh, and others, it can give us hope. It can give us, it can give us purpose that there's more beyond this. So last week, as we talked about life, there's more to life than just this life. And we talked about how Jesus is the source of that life. Uh, today... As we go beyond, we're talking about death. Uh, what you believe about the beyond will determine how we live today. What we believe about death will determine how we live today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 11. If not, it will be on the screens. But today we're going to be all over. We're going to be uh, uh, looking through a little bit more scripture than normal this week because there's a, a lot of kind of stuff I'm trying to get in. But uh, 
will be mostly in John 11, and we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has with the death of a loved one. We've all been there. We've all done that. We all know someone, or we all have loved someone who's passed away. And so uh, I think looking at the way Jesus responds gives us an, a biblical, uh, Christ-like way of looking like death, right? And so Jesus was friends of the family uh, to a, uh, uh, with a guy named Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And the sisters send word to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a couple of days away, uh, days travel away, and um, they send news to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Like Lazarus is like very sick, and so they send the news to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He says Jesus hangs out a couple more days. He hangs out a couple more days. He's in no rush to get to a sick friend, knowing that he has the power to do something about it. He's Jesus. And so John 11, verses 11 through 14, says, So he went on to tell his disciples. He went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. That's interesting, right? So hold on, Jesus. You're going to walk a couple days just to go wake someone up? That's weird. And his disciples reply, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, he, he dead. <laughs> Lazar, no, Lazarus is dead. And so Jesus' disciples are a little bit confused. Like, Jesus, I mean, if he's asleep, why would you travel? Why would you walk all those miles just to go wake him up? Wake him, anybody can do that. But Jesus is, is he's using the phrase, he's asleep to talk, uh, talk about him being dead. So studies are conclusive, you know. They've done a lot of research on this. Ten out of ten people uh, die, you know. And so that means all of us will, will, will die. All, death is inevitable. And so the Bible often uses this word asleep uh, to refer to people who have died. The Bible frequently uses this word asleep, like Jesus does. Lazarus is asleep. No, we find out Jesus means Lazarus is dead. And this word sleep, it gives us this imagery that, that you're asleep for a moment, but what happens when you sleep? You wake up. And so we see that death is not the end of things. There is more. Death is, not, death is the final to life as we know it, but death is not final. In fact, we see this as a principle that, that can help our understanding that death is a bridge. That when we die, it's a bridge. So last week, as we talked about life, we talked about life being a prelude to the eternal. Uh, then death is the bridge that takes us to that. It's the bridge that takes us to the beyond, to the eternal. And the Bible paints this picture of death being a gateway between this life and the beyond. And when, when you die, uh, the scripture shows uh, that our, our body, our physical body and our soul, they separate. So all this is skin, all this is bones and muscle and mass and, and water, and, and, and there, it's not the real me. In fact, in Scripture, it calls it a tent. This is just a tent. It's a temporary dwelling that's one day going to get a new, better, more permanent dwelling. You know, get an RV. <laughs> that there is an RV. So when we die, the soul, the body separate, and um, in this outer covering, we will shed. And, uh, and some of you are thinking right now, you're like, yes, man, new body. Amen. And some of you are thinking, uh-oh, you know, I spent, I spent a lot of time and money on this. 
And, uh, you know, but see, when we die, our body dies, but we, we continue to live our soul. Matthew 10, 28, uh, Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and the body in hell. So listen, like we see, we see a picture that the body, the soul, they're, they're two distinct uh, realities. And, and uh, we only know them as the one, but they will, they will uh, separate. They're two different things. He said, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and the body in hell. One day when your physical body dies, you will live as you've, as you've uh, you will be as live as you've ever been, and someone will be making preparations for your funeral, and someone will be making potato salad, but you'll still be, your soul will still live on. You'll be very much alive. Hebrews 9, 27 says, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So we see that, that we all will die, that, that's, we know that, but uh, but. Uh, our body is, is, and, and soul will separate, but then we see that, that we will all face a judgment. There's a judgment. Now, we don't have time to go down uh, the, the path of this, what this means biblically. We're going to talk about that a little bit over the next two weeks, okay, as we talk about heaven and hell. But we know that uh, we will all go through judgment with a, a just God. And for some, that's terrifying, you know, when I know people are judging me, you know, you're a little bit on edge, you know. Uh, when, but if I know the judge and I know he loves me and he knows I love him, I'm not as, not as afraid, you know. And so the body may die, but the soul lives on. And we see death is a bridge that takes us from here, takes us to beyond. Now back to Jesus and Lazarus and Mary Martha. Now Mary knows uh, the sister of Lazarus, Mary knows that Jesus is on his way. So her and her crew, they go out, they go out, uh, out of the village, and they go to meet Jesus, who's, who's coming in town. And, and verse 32 says, uh, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and, and troubled. Where have you laid them? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the scripture says what? Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And so uh, uh, Mary did the same thing that Martha had done before her, moments before. Run out to go see Jesus, who's coming in town. And they blame Jesus, <laughs> essentially. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother, your friend, Lazarus, he would not have died if you had been here. And it's almost like you can see the fingers pointing in their, in their anger and through the tears and through their agony. And, and you've been there. You've been hurt. You've been upset. You, you've lost someone. Maybe you've been angry or hurting. And you pointed your fingers at God and said, why? Why? And through all the tears and through the emotions, we see something special, that Jesus wept. One of the shortest verses in the Bible tells us a whole lot about God, that he enters our pain, that he enters our brokenness. 
And we learn something else about death here, guys, that, that death is not natural. Death is, it, death is an enemy. It's not natural. Death is our enemy. Now, a lot of times in our culture, we, we kind of refer to, uh, a lot of times you hear it, death is, is, is a, it, it's a natural process. Now, that's all we know. That's what we see. It's what we experience as we age or as, as stuff happens to us. But we see it as a natural process. But death uh, is not natural. Death is an enemy. In fact, in this passage, we see the raw reality uh, that God hurts with his creation. He enters our story. He experiences the pain of brokenness. Jesus wept, and, and it shows us who God is, and, and it affects us. It rocks us as well, people we know, people we love. Because as you look at this, the biblical story, death was never part of God's intention. Death was never part of God's plan. It's not natural. I mean, after all, we all die. We all die. It seems quite universal, but it's not natural in that we should embrace it as the way things God intended it to be. So if you look back at the beginning of the story, Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, it shares the story of God creating and setting up life. It doesn't talk about God setting up death, and, and God creates life, and, and death doesn't come until sin enters the story. Death, does, death is no, not part of the creation. Uh, people uh, would not die if, until sin entered the story, and you see in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, he created Adam and Eve, and, and he puts them in, in the garden this, this per place that was perfect, that was beautiful, that would completely satisfy every need of Adam and Eve. And so the, Lord command, uh, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Well, we're much like our forefathers, aren't we? They rejected God. They chose their way, not God's way. They, they chose their, uh, uh, their view, not God's view. And, and their, uh, their way led to death. God's way was life. Their way led to death. And sin entered the created order. And that permeates all of humanity. And so our forefathers' sin, their curses, we're still experiencing the effects of death and the created order that God never originally intended. They opened the door as they rejected God, and, and we've been experiencing those consequences ever since. And so we can see when a newborn baby who is perfectly innocent dies, this baby has done nothing wrong, but it's still part of the effects of sin, of the curse of, of rejecting God. And when a saint dies or when Adolf Hitler dies, it's all, it all goes back as, as, as uh, uh, death in our story. Now, it was never part of the plan as God originally intended. So in the storyline of the Bible, sin kills, death isn't natural. Death leaves us always, it leaves us longing, it leaves us hurting, it leaves us afraid. Bless you. You scared me to death. Holy cow. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because we weren't intended to die. So, 
Jesus is talking to Martha outside the village, all right? He's talking to Martha, and then Jesus says this, verse 25, 26, he says something uh, which is very Easter, okay? This is like what, what a lot of people preach on last week, but he says this, I am the resurrection and life. Like, yeah, your brother died, but I, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so she's like, yeah, you know, of course I believe, you know, and uh, one day, you know, we'll all experience a resurrection who believe. And, and so they go to the tomb where Lazarus had been laying for four days. And he says, remove the stone. They're like, no, it's been four days, you know. And, and so Jesus called in a loud voice and, and says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet still wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, the stuff he had been buried in. And we see that death is an enemy. Death is our enemy. But we learn something else important about death here, is that death is a defeated enemy. Death is an enemy, but it is a, praise God, it's a defeated enemy. Uh, the, in the storyline of the scriptures, the, uh, death is an enemy, but, but it's defeated. Death has disrupted the normal flow, the, uh, the normal state of things. The, and the world as we know it has been upside down. The good news is that death's reign is in the process of being overthrown and dethroned and if you were here last week, we looked at this verse, Revelation 1, 18, where Jesus, the cosmic risen Jesus, is revealing himself to the Apostle John. He says, I am the living one. Well, that's who he is. That's, that's his name. That's, you can call me. He's the one who's alive, who was, is, is to come. He says, I was dead. Now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul, he's writing, he's pumped up, he's writing about the, the resurrection of Jesus. And he's like, look, how important this is to our faith. And he says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus, how Jesus kicked death in the face. And death no longer is the final enemy, is the defeated enemy. And while it's not natural, while it wasn't God's original intent, we no longer have to live in fear of it. We see death as a bridge, death as an enemy, and death as a defeated enemy. So this morning, uh, I want to ask you, do you know what to do with death? You know, do you know what to do with death? Is it something you think about? Uh, maybe you obsess over it. Maybe you need to chill out a little bit. Maybe you don't think about it at all, and maybe you need to think about it some. Uh, but uh, is it on your fears list? Is it, where would it rank? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, um, it, maybe you've come to grips with it. But if we have this framework of, of what that death takes us to the beyond, that, that death was, no, was not God's original plan, but God came up with a plan. He defeated death. It's a defeated enemy. And if you're not here, if you're here and you're not sure about all this Jesus stuff, you know, even if you don't fully believe, you should at least want this to be true. 
you know? You should at least want this to be true. Now, that doesn't mean that we want it to be true, and so it's all wishful thinking. It's all just fantasy and made up. Because Jesus backed up his story with an empty tomb. His enemies even had to make lies to account for the haters. He backed up his story by appearing to his disciples. He backed up his story by showing the scars. He backed up his stories by appearing to over 500 at one time who were alive and could share the testimony that was backed by the apostles. He backed it by the changed lives that went from uh, the disciples that were so afraid. And who, when they saw the Jesus be, uh, who was dead uh, alive again, that they went to the ends of the world sharing the Jesus story, even offering their very lives. And so I'm going to stick with this Jesus guy. Came across this quote this week uh, by a Bible, Bible scholar, Leon Morris, um, as he talks about um, death and sin and Jesus. And, and he says this, it's on the screen. He says, what emerges clearly from our study of the New Testament documents is the fact that death characteristically is regarded as something completely unnatural, an alien, a horror, an enemy. It is not simply an event, but a state, and it is connected very closely with sin. But the important teaching of the New Testament is not that death is an evil or that man cannot overcome it, but that death has been decisively defeated in the atoning death of the Savior. On this, we rest our hope. So church, in the midst of fear, in the midst of the unknown, in the, midst of, in the midst of any pain or any anxiety, we can have hope because death is a defeated enemy.